welcome. Let's give a really good welcome for everyone who's watching online, and especially those who are military friends who are, are across the state and some online this morning watching uh, in harm's way. Can we say hello? Yeah. Well, hey, how are you guys? Everybody good today? Yes, good. Well, you know, it's crazy because there's three weeks of school left. Is that weird? Is that is it like, oh my gosh, time has gone by so fast? It is for us. We, we just like in awe and shock and like, wow, time's going by faster than we ever imagined. So, hey, we're going to have some fun. My name's Jeff, and this is my uh, beautiful wife, Christy. Can we just give her a little shout out? Thank you, Christy, will help, uh, help me in a series or a conversation that we have. And we are in a marriage series. Uh, it's called Major League Marriage, and we set this up last week, we talked about how this was not just for those of us who are in a marriage, right, because we've had people who have been in marriages who are no longer in marriages, and they're like, praise God, I'm happy right where I'm at. There's some people that are single, they're like, hey man, I'm good. There's some people that are single, they're like, please, I need a date today, all right? So all across the board, you know, wherever you are, if you're content, if you're in, you're out, you're around that, uh, we set that up last week you to understand that this really is a much broader in this conversation than it is for the person that is married right now. But if you're in a marriage, this is going to be obviously geared towards uh, that style of love and romance here in marriage. So we're going to have fun with this. Last week we kicked this off. Uh, you remember last week I had to do this and do that, right? And this was what? Yes? This was what? No. All right. So y'all ready? Got your guesses ready? Your nose ready? Going to have some really intense... Heartfelt, heavy, deep theological marriage questions, romance questions. You guys ready? You know that was all a complete lie. All right, so all right, you gotta, I need I need you to participate. This is crowd participation. All right, is it okay for the girl to pay after the first date? Yes or no? Look around. All right, it's about fifty-fifty. Um, those of you guys had your your uh, thumbs up and you're just broke. You don't have any money. Um, all right, so. Second question is, should the in-laws visit more than two times a year? Yes or no? Think about this. They could be watching online right now. <laughs> Think about how you want to answer that, all right? I have had a whole lot of like, thumbs up in the back, and you guys are watching up front because you know there's where the camera's at on this live thing. So. Uh, third one is this. Can a man keep his man card if he cries in a chick flick? Yes or no? All the girls said yes, all the guys said no. All the guys said yes. Uh, man, I'm, I don't know what it is, it's age, but I'll cry three or four times in chick flick now. I, sometimes I'm, 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 I'm worried that I'm like, we've been married so long that I'm like, we've switched emotions. Alright, number four. Is it, is it okay to ask a girl out through social media? Yes or no? Alright. By and large, the lady said no. Most of the men are not voting. <laughs> I don't know what that means. Are you scared, fellas? Or just like, she's got that one covered. I'll let that one happen. But uh, hey, take note of that, you single fellas. It's a better idea to go old school. It's just kind of funny, ladies. I think when it comes to stuff like that, you guys, you do like old school romance. Old school romance, romance will never be uh, forgotten, I'm pretty sure. All right. In fact, I'll say, if you're here and you are single, you're actually at an advantage because everything that we're talking about, you have an opportunity to get this right, the next go around or the first go around. So the rest of us, we're trying to fix, you know, baggage and repair. 
where we've gotten off course. So if you're single, I'm going to give you a little bit of proposal advice, okay? Because statistically, statistics do say whether you think it will ever happen for you again, chances are you will get married again just based on statistics. So here's a little free proposal advice for you. For the guys, there are two things that your future wife will be asked for the rest of her life, okay, that hinge on your proposal. The first is this. Let me see the ring. Rest of her life, every other woman she ever meets is going to say, oh, let me see your ring, okay? So it's very important that you get that right, all right? The second is they're going to say, how did he propose, all right? So I'm just saying that Google and YouTube are your friends. If you are not, you know, a natural romantic, you can Google it, you can look it up. Now, Jeff did pretty good in both of these areas. Um, he was kind of fortunate. He had a ring that was passed on from his mom. So I got, like, the biggie size 25th anniversary ring that his sisters were so gracious to let be passed down. It'll be my son's someday. So when we were in college and we were broke, my ring was 10, size, 10 times the size of any other girl's ring because it was passed down. To us, um, something to cherish. But when it came time for him to propose to me, he planned this elaborate event. Are you surprised? Um, it was freezing cold outside, and he said, We're going to go horseback riding. It was like 25 degrees. I thought, Why in the world are we going horseback riding 25 degrees outside? But we got on top of the mountain. There was a fire waiting for us. It was sunset time. We're looking over the Blue Ridge Mountains. It was beautiful. And I'll never forget, he's talking to me, and he never got around to actually saying, will you marry me? Instead, he kept saying, I want to grow old with you. Well, when I was 20 years old, I thought, I'm not thinking about growing old. And those of you who know Jeff, he's a little bit of a jokester, I was kind of expecting that maybe I would be like, yes, I'll marry you. And he'd be like, I'm not asking. So, um, so I kept waiting for those exact words, will you marry me? I had no idea at 20 years old that the question he was asking, will you grow old with me, was actually much wiser and more realistic at that point. He was thinking ahead to, I'm just not falling in love with you. I want to stay in love with you. And you don't hear a lot about that. You hear a lot about falling in love, but you don't hear a lot about staying in love. I think that's where probably most of us are. You look at our culture today, there is probably, I think there's realistically 1,500 organizations out there that are all geared towards helping you fall in love. We all know that all you need is a pulse to fall in love, right? So there's a lot of stuff out there that helps us fall in love or to find that relationship or find the one we want to hopefully have. But the, the, the deal is for, for us, we need help in staying in love, right? So what we're going to do in this series is we're, for today's conversation, we're going to look at what we really need to stay in love. Now, last week we, we gave you some big broad brush handlebars on this conversation. We, we dove into scripture and gave you some real powerful stuff about who we are in Christ and who makes all the difference in all the world. And that's always where we go in every message. Today we want to get really, really, really practical and walk through some things. But here's the crazy thing. Um, this is not about falling in love. We can do that easy. We really want to put some meat on the bone to how do we stay in love. How do we do this and how do we do this well? Uh, I was reminded yesterday I got to pop into uh, someone in our church's <laughs> t-ball game. And I was remembered all the t-ball games we had. My kids are older. I remember all the t-ball games. I, mean, I was watching these guys out there yesterday. They looked like they were geared up like pro players, right? 
But when you watched, when you watched them coach, when you listened to what they said, you knew they had not played pro baseball, right? You ever seen guys out there, dads out there? I was one of those. I'm like, oh, they tell you how to do this, boys. And my brother-in-law, who's afraid to play pro baseball, watched me one time play pro. You don't have a clue what you're talking about. I was like, I know, but that doesn't matter. We're just getting fired up right now. I was like, no, you need to teach the basics. So here's the thing. When it comes to this series, major league marriage, we want to improve all of our relationships to play like the pros. Right? There, there are people that have gone before us. There, there, there's, there's obviously scripture that, is, that, that was way here before we were here that God used and is using to help us do this better. And for a lot of us, and i got to know that even last week, yes, so many of you come up afterwards and say, man, we, we put on the rocks. I think that was one thing we needed to say, you know, we'll give one, one last try. And so what we want to do in this, I want to give you some scripture here. We're going to walk into some really practical stuff. So let me show you this real quick. John 13, 34 through 35 says this, a new command I give you, right? Jesus says this, and he wants us to be clear that I'm going to give you something that's going to be a game changer for you. It's a new command that I'm going to give you, and he says this, this is profound. If you've been in Bible study before, you've heard this, but it's no less profound. We just got to adapt to it and, and leverage this because it's powerful. Love one another as I have loved you. Now, if we really did do that the way Jesus did that, we would have no issues, right? If I could really just all by myself love just the way Jesus loved, we'd have no issues. But here, here it is. Here's what's profound about this. As I have loved you, so you must love one another. Jesus just didn't talk about love. When he came here, he just didn't have people pin down things that he said. He literally showed up and he did it. He acted on it. So you can't act yourself into, you can't feel yourself, feel your way into an action. You act your way into a feeling. So if we're going to get this right, we just can't talk for a game. You know, it, it goes beyond that. We've got to do what Jesus did. And we have to literally go out there and act our way into great marriages, great relationships. Our hope today um, is just to pass on to you some things that we have learned after being married for 23 years. You get to learn from our mistakes which is very helpful. Um, we printed a lot of notes for you in your worship guide and a lot of resources. We want you to leave today feeling resourced and equipped. And as Jeff already mentioned, whether you're in a marriage relationship or not, these are things that are true of any relationship. In fact, if you're not in a marriage relationship, you can kind of practice this in life before it's somebody who really hurts your feelings when you get it wrong. So we encourage you to do that. I'm like, you know, when our son came along, we don't practice all of this, okay? So this is just live. When our son came along, I'm like, baby, I love him so much. He is so perfect. He is just like you, but he can't hurt my feelings. So nobody can make your day or ruin your day like your significant other, and that's why these practices are important. So Jeff already mentioned to you, you don't feel your way into an action. You act your way into a feeling. Love isn't something you find. Love is something you do. You have to start thinking of love as a verb that takes work every single day. Um, when we got married, I don't remember any scripture reference the pastor quoted. I don't really remember much of what he said. I do remember three things. He said, if you would get up every morning and try during that day to give each other a look of love, 
a word of love and a touch of love, if you would do that every day, that would help you immensely. And I just remember that sticking with us. Jeff often uses that in a wedding when he does that because it's had such an impact on us. First Corinthians 13 says, love is patient, love is kind, it does not envy, it does not boast, it's not proud, it doesn't dishonor others, it's not self-seeking, it's not easily angered, it keeps no record of wrongs, it always protects, always trusts, always hopes, and always perseveres. I read you that list because nothing in that list about what God says love is, is a feeling. It doesn't say that love feels patient or love feels kind. It just says love is. It is a choice to take action to behave in a loving way. And the truth of relationships, the truth of marriage is we're not just up against trying to unite two totally different people together. There is a battle raging for our hearts. We really do have an enemy who does want to break up marriages because it ultimately will hurt God. And that's, that's our enemy's goal. So there's some things I want us to, to just recognize when it comes to our marriage, when it comes to great relationships. There's some natural enemies to staying in love. There's some natural things that are at work, that are in play, that are just completely normal and natural, and they just happen to everybody. A couple of these we want to mention today just for, just for kicks and giggles. But to, to, to kind of Give us some handlebars to like, here's some stuff we're up against. Here's some stuff that we're battling against. So here's an enemy of, of staying in love. Familiarity, right? I mean, Christy and I are on 24 years. In every relationship, the, every day that goes by, you become more familiar with, with each other. And that can be somebody, something that's a, that's, a, that's a draw against great relationships because you kind of just slip into... Doing less, not doing enough, you're not paying attention enough, not being as intentional as you were when you first started. For example, I remember like the first year we were married, if, if Christy had a cough, I would, I would like, I was so alerted, you know, in the middle of the night, like, baby, are you all right? Like, I got this woman next to me. Woohoo! this is awesome. Wow. Shazam, you know, and, and she's caught a cough, a baby. What do you, you know, I got something for that. And I'd run in and you need NyQuil. Do you need, what do you need? You need, you know, whatever. And, and I was all about rescuing her, you know, minuscule needs, smallest of coughs. You fast forward 24 years into this thing now. She coughs and I'm like, hey, baby, I got to get some sleep. Can you move in the next room? <laughs> I mean, I mean, it's, you got to, you've got to reprogram, refocus Year after year, season after season. And so familiarity is something that works against us. Another thing is, and this is natural to everybody. I wouldn't have said this 15 years ago, but you enter in kids, you enter in life. But I would say energy levels, just your energy level, that is something that declines over time. So think about this. Energy levels are declining while responsibility increases, right, in life and in marriage. So your energy is decreasing, yet responsibility is, 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 is at an all-time high every day, every year, right? So we've got to battle that. I mean, you think about it. We said this last week, marriage is work, right? That's not something we said last week. You want to write on a, on a Valentine's car, hey, baby, I love you so much. You're so much work, right? It's not very sexy to say, right? But when it comes to marriage, you think about what gets cheated, not, not your job, not your kids, you cheat your marriage. 
We're going to give less time to our marriage. It's just that's one of the battles of the familiarity piece. It's the least likely thing to scream for, work on me, improve this. Because everything else screams for your attention, your job, your boss. You know, it's, it's just the tyranny of the urgent and the versus the important. And so it's a, it's a big deal to be able to do this. And so you, you wanted to jump in there? Go ahead. Okay, I got more to say. Go, go. Okay. Um, uh, so you name any area of your life, all right, where you neglect something and improve it, right? Not your job, not your yard, not your car, not your body. And I love this. The only thing you neglect that continues to grow is nose hair. And nobody wants that. I had to say that, baby. I wanted to get that Can in. Can I say wah, wah, wah? Uh, <laughs> I'm right. just kidding. Um, kids are another one. Um, and, it, you know, it's not some mean joke of God that our energy level goes down. while our, uh, Those of us who are entering into our 40s and you're feeling tired for the first time, this is just all a setup by God for us to need him in a whole new way. So don't think of that as like bad news. Think of it as like, it's getting me where I need to be with my relationship with God. Um, kids, we have always said kids are just an acrostic for keeping intimacy at a distance successfully. Um, nothing screams for your attention, mom, mom, you know, like kids. And what often happens in a marriage is the mom resigns her number one role as wife to become mom and because they're so cute because they need you because God put it in us to nurture them it is very easy for us to walk away from this because of what the kids need in fact there have been a few times I know I've been guilty where I've been like I love you baby and just like you do and I was talking to JD (laughs) not to him so um we just have to be aware of that that Kids, you know, and we have to protect against that. You have to schedule against that date night and weekends away. You have to plan that or the kids will take over the home. Um, The fourth thing, and this is especially for women, is comparison. Um, Nothing steals our joy like comparison. Mm -hmm. Looking side to side at someone else's relationship and social media plays into this. Listen, I'm just telling you, everything wonderful that you see on social media. I have a girlfriend, I follow her on Instagram or something, and her life looks magical in pictures. I sat down and had lunch with her a few months ago. She was about to have a nervous breakdown. I'm like, okay, your life does not look like this in pictures. It look, And here I am comparing, like, look what they get to do. Look at their relationship. It's not always as it appears. So you have to be really careful to not look side to side and focus on this and on what God has for sure. you. And this one is not in your notes, but I just, as Jeff was talking, it made me think. Another thing that can really be an enemy of staying in love is secrets. And we've done whole messages on this, whole series on this. I'm just going to throw it out there. If you have a secret that you are keeping from each other, that is not going to help you stay in love. We have some small groups for that, that you could get involved in. Um, But the sooner you can bring something to the light, the scripture says, whatever you cover up, whatever sin you cover up, when you cover sin, you cannot prosper. Things, your, your marriage cannot prosper and go well if there is something that you're covering up. If it's not something you can feel like you can share with your spouse right now, then let us connect you to a small group or a counselor where you can start to, to share that. All right. So second thing I want to show you is uh, you just cover understand how they, how they receive love. Oh, no, no, no. 
Do you want to do that one? Sure, yeah. I'll do that. Um, all right, so let's get practical. How do you stay in love? Um, we're going to give you real quick seven things that we have learned. Again, these are going to sound like basics for some of you who've been working on your relationship, but as you listen to them, this has been our prayer this week. We have been on our knees praying that while we talk about these things, God will put an idea in your head. Oh, I could do that. Oh, I could try that. Or maybe that's a book that I need to read. So we tried to list resources for you in your worship guide that go along with the things that we're going to mention. Um, the first is this, the best things we've learned about how to stay in love is understand how your spouse receives love. I don't know if you're aware, but we all receive love differently. There was a best-selling book called The Five Love Languages, followed up by another one, His Needs, Her Needs. Um, not only are you male and female and need very different things, but you have different personalities, and there are different ways that you receive love. For instance, I, am wor- I receive love through words. If you write me a card, I am going to save it forever and ever till the day I die, file it away and know where to find it. If I write Jeff a card, he may not even read it before he tears into the gift that's coming behind it. I've actually played a little experiment on him where I've given him the same Father's Day card three years in a row. He had no idea because he looks at it real quick and he throws it aside and he's, he's on to the gift. Come on, let, <laughs> yes or no? I mean, one whole year goes by. Would you guys notice that? Three times I, I, in a row. I, I okay. But one, if he received love through words, he would. So I can leave him notes. I one time left him a note in the cookie jar, and he was like, thanks for the cookies. He never saw the note. So what I've had to learn to retrain, he receives love. Just to show you, I don't eat much sugar then. Maybe. He, he receives love through quality time. That is a lot of work, okay? Like, I am achievement-oriented. I have a list every day. And so I have to, like, carve. I have to write it on my list, spend time with Jeff today, (laughs) because that's how he receives. He receives love through gifts. When he brings me a gift, you know what my first reaction is? How much did it cost? I start getting nervous. It's not fun when it comes out of our budget. So we've had to re think about how they receive love and give it the way that they receive it. Otherwise, when he buys me a gift, it doesn't feel like love. It feels like, oh, great, now we have 50 less dollars in our budget to spend because that's how I'm wired. So we have to give the way the other person receives it. How many of you guys, when Christy's walking through that, you realize how different you are? Raise your hand. You'd be like, wow, we are different. We have all those experiences. 90% of you were just scared to raise your hand, right? (laughs) Because, I mean, I, I, I hear the response because we are so different. So when it comes to this kind of stuff, one of the things that really will help us, and these are real practical things. These, are, these aren't like earth-shattering information. This is stuff that, like, every year you've got to go back and visit, right? Or we'll, we'll slowly decline in this. So here's one that I think has really helped us. One of our, one of our mentors that Christy and I have always said they've got a great marriage, that we've uh, kind of just tucked ourselves underneath to get wisdom and be mentored by, used to say this to us. They would say it like this. They said, recognize what fills their bucket, right? Recognize what fills each other's bucket and drains your bucket, and then protect that bucket, right? So we've had to sit down before and ask each other. I mean, this wasn't probably maybe six, seven, eight years ago that we really learned to, like, ask these particular questions. Christy, what really fills your bucket? 
when we're doing things, when things are going on, what really just makes you feel alive? And then what drains your bucket? Now, we've learned over the years multiple ways of areas that things drain and fill each other's buckets, and we've tried to then cover for each other and fill each other. We get this from this verse that I love that has multiple applications, but we've kind of applied it in this unique way. Jesus says this in 1 Peter 8. He says, uh, above, above all, love each other deeply because love covers a multitude of sins, right? So, yes, we've taught on this passage before we should cover each other's sins, but I think we ought to cover and fill each other's areas where we're depleted in our bucket, and, and, and we need to help fill each other where it needs to be filled. And so, for us, this kind of plays out like um, details drain me. When Christy mentioned a minute ago that I planned our anniversary, I was like, wow, I did that? That had a lot of details to it. And I think I slept for a week after that, right? Because details just drain me, right? I would much rather pass off the details. I want to think about the larger picture. I want to think about, you know, directional things, not like the stuff up in the weeds, man. The weeds kill me. My staff, Ed always teads like we're getting up in the weeds, right? I can see Jeff zoning out. I mean, that happens. And so Christy covers me because she knows the weeds drain me. So, and and vice versa for us, um, Christy's an introvert. I don't know if you know that. She's a learned extrovert, but she's not natural. I'm a natural extrovert. If I get alone by myself after about two hours, I want to slip my wrists. No, really. I mean, like, I'm like, ah, I need a people fix. I need to be on the phone with somebody. I got to get in my truck and go somewhere and do something. Christy's just the opposite. So because people stuff drain her and because I'm always like entering people into our lives constantly every day, all the moments, she just drowns. And so I've got to, I've had to protect that. I've had to say, all right, two nights a week. You know, if we're doing ministry, if we're doing people stuff, two nights a week. We don't do more than that. I don't enter Christy into anything more than that because I understand that drains her bucket. And she understands that it fuels mine. So we have to balance that out. We have to protect each other's buckets. We have to, you know, work hard at that. Um, Because people drain her bucket, you know, there are times that I will get up in the morning and I'll know that the kids, you know, we've got three of them, right? Because I'm... I'm, I'm a morning person. I will get up and I'll say on occasion, hey, you, I got this. I'll drop coffee off to her because we got a new coffee maker and I like to make coffee. It's kind of, I don't know what it is. I kind of like it. Drop her off coffee. I got this stay in bed. I got the kids this morning. And I'm telling you what, that is magic. If you can do that, fellas, oh my gosh, there is home runs waiting to be had later on in the day. <laughs> wink, wink, hint, hint. Okay, so that is a big deal. Here's another one. Let's move right along, people. Okay, don't get hung up on everything that we say or just some of the good stuff. That was a tap. Like, I'm going to interrupt on. you. I, oh. No, 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 no. Right. I'm sorry. Right. Um, I, I just, it, as he was talking, it made me think. Most of us enter marriage thinking about our rights, mm. like what we hope they're going to do for us. He's going to protect my bucket. He's going to fill my bucket every day. And I'm thinking, at, and you know, as he was talking, it, it just, God just kind of put it in my head. It's my responsibility to this relationship, to this person God has chosen for me, it's my responsibility to fill his bucket, to know what fills his bucket. If you've never asked that question, hey, what, you know, just go home and make a list. What, what fills your bucket? What drains your bucket? Keep it somewhere where you can then check back up and, and ask, am I doing these things? So the next thing um, that we've learned is, number three in your notes, is to celebrate each other's strengths and weaknesses as God's perfect design. 
for 15 years, I complained about our differences. I complained about the way that God had made him. Um, Psalms 139 says this, I will praise you because I am fearfully and wonderfully made. You could put a, a he or a she, I will praise you because he is fearfully and wonderfully made. And really what I was doing is like complaining to God, like you made some parts wrong, God. He, he starts all kind of stuff, but he doesn't finish them. And it wasn't until we did this, um, it was not a spiritual book, but it was Strength Finders 2.0 that we always recommend to couples who are getting married and realized his, his strengths are that he's an activator. We'd never start anything if it were up to me because I'm focused and I'm stuck like looking at the details. So if it wasn't for him, we'd never go anywhere. We'd never do anything. And suddenly a light bulb went off that the things that I'm frustrated about are the very things that God chose in his perfect design. My church wouldn't be here if he wasn't an activator and a starter. So I had to learn to celebrate those as, oh, so God gave you those. He gave me maximizer so I can come along and fix it. Now, in my flesh, what happens is I get frustrated. Like, you get it started, but it's not started right, and I got to come around and fix everything that you start. That's how, that's how God made us to work together, and it is his perfect design. And I have to start, stop focusing on the differences See, it it doesn't matter that you're made differently. What matters is your response to the differences. And ladies, I believe that we win and lose the response in our thoughts. How much time a day do you spend thinking and playing out what you wish he would do, what you wish he was like, what you saw on social media that you think he's not doing, versus complimenting him? Maybe I love that, that God made you to be this way. That is really a special gift that I don't have, and we wouldn't get to do X, Y, Z if it wasn't for the way. So just kind of weigh that out one day. How much time am I spending thinking positively about my spouse versus negatively? Because really it's a reaction to God and his perfect design. Am I complaining about God's design, or am I praising God and celebrating that design? That's a good one that fits with that. Uh, statement that we said earlier that you, ha- you have to act your way into a feeling. So that's a real good proactive, get that active, proactive way to work yourself into, you know, changing some things you want to improve in your marriage. Act your way into a feeling. Love that. Um, the, f- the fourth one is this. Um, and, I, and I like this because it's, it's kind of how I think of things as a guy. When I want to go fix something in my house, when I want to go improve something in my house, I go to or you go to where before we do a home improvement? We go to the home improvement warehouse, right? Whether it be Home Depot or Lowe's. So number four is this, buy some tools. All the guys say, buy some tools. You want to fix some stuff, you go what? Buy some tools, all right? I got this out of Scripture. You're going to love this, all right? I promise you, all right? Proverbs 4, 7 says this, the beginning of wisdom is this, get wisdom. Get wisdom. Go buy a wisdom, right? Can you buy wisdom? I don't know. Let's, though it costs, huh? though it costs all you have, get understanding. Go get some understanding. I'm preaching, right? First Peter three seven says this: Husbands, live with your wives as, in an understanding way. If you want understanding, listen. This is not marriage. Is not a mystery. Not any longer. We've got God's word. Go buy a Bible. 
you don't have a Bible, go buy a Bible. Go get to work reading it. You want wisdom? Go buy a Bible. <laughs> you want wisdom? Go buy a book. If you, you want wisdom and understanding, take her to a marriage conference. Be intentional. Go buy the tools you need to get and have to go win. We go put effort in so many things. If we use the same effort that we use for all the other things as we did the most important thing, again, what's the number one gift you can give your kids? A great marriage. A great marriage. Go buy one. Go buy a marriage. Go buy a book. Go spend some money. You act your way into a feeling. Some of us, we're sitting there, and we're going, wah, 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 it's not working. I want more of something from her. I want more of this. I want more of that. But you're giving no effort to it. Get some home improvement going on, all right? Go visit where you need to visit, and think about how you can work on gaining the wisdom and understanding for each other through series of information, informational tools that are out there. There are a lot of great resources out there. This kind of freaks Jeff out because we have two daughters, but the average cost of a wedding today is $25,000. I don't know if you're aware of that. Just get ready. Um, and yet people won't spend $300 on six weeks of marriage counseling. So Jeff, a few years ago, he made it a policy. He is not a counselor. That's not his perfect design by God, um, meaning it's really hard for him to sit still and listen. And so he'll give you, like, you tell him your problems, and he's like, I don't know what's wrong with you. Go fix it. <laughs> um, That's why that last one's in your notes. So we, you know, we learned, and another thing that drains his bucket is counseling. It's just not his gift. So he can listen to you. He can pray with you. He can give you some, he's great at wisdom. He's not good at like sticking in there for the long haul with you. So we have some great counselors that we refer people to. In fact, we have had people leave our church because Jeff will not do a wedding unless you have gone through six weeks of marriage counseling. If you're not going to spend $300 on your marriage, you don't need to be getting married. Okay, especially when your dress might cost 3000 So this is an area that, again, it's not in your budget. It needs to be in your budget. Marriage improvement, date nights. Um, we have been to marriage counseling. It's not as shameful as it used to be. We used to think that was for people with problems. It is not that way anymore. It's for so everybody. It's for everybody. It's part right. of our regular health. And there is a, a local counselor that we recommend. I think we put it in your worship guide. There are several, but I would say this, if you are having marriage struggles and you're not just doing maintenance, see a Christian counselor. I mean, there's a huge difference. Yes, secular tools can work, but this is a, usually a spiritual problem at its core. So there is a group that we recommend locally called LifeWorks Leadership. A lot of people in our church have had great success. Kimberly Bishop is phenomenal. We know her personally. We know her relationship. She's raised children. Um, so we would very highly recommend that as we talk about some things in a minute, if you say, yes, that is me, pick up the phone, do that email, and go ahead and set that appointment. Um, the fifth thing is this. Understand the love 
and respect cycle. A few years ago, there was a best-selling book called Love and Respect. You may or may not have read that. It came from God's big commands in the Bible. If you want to know how to have a great marriage, Ephesians chapter 5 is your chapter. It is the one chapter in the New Testament that God carved out for husbands and wives. Gives some very specifics. But if you look at it, if you summarized Ephesians chapter 5, it is this. Husbands, love your wives. And to the wife, he doesn't say wives love your husbands. He says the R word. Wives respect your husbands. And then he adds two words that kind of rock our world. He says you respect them in everything. All right? So most of us, we get that love should be unconditional, right? It doesn't matter what I'm going through, what I've done. He should love me unconditional. But in our culture, we are trained that respect is conditional. I'll respect you when you deserve it. Guess what? He is never going to deserve it. He is not perfect. He is a sinner just like you. And so there is this cycle. He cannot love me if he doesn't feel respected. I can't respect him if I don't feel loved. But one of us has to go first. Somebody has to go first. And Jeff will always say to the guys, man up and go first. And I always say to the ladies, hey, you're the one created with all the relational savvy. So why don't you try going first? See what happens when you list all the reasons why you respect him and you put it in a note or you say it to his face while you're having quality time together and giving him a gift or however he receives it. Just see what happens. Um, The love and respect cycle is huge and it comes from God's word because he created us and he knows us better than anybody. The the sixth thing, and we want to wrap things up here real soon. We've got more coming next week. Please, please, please make sure you're here next week. And and you got to be here on Mother's Day. We've got a really special treat for you on Mother's Day. But number six is this. Um, get emotionally healthy. Um, I, I really did. I really do believe God built us spiritually, but He gave us emotions, and they really do work hand in hand. Uh, and there are ways that we can neglect our emotions. I know we we grew up in an era and maybe a world where we were taught like, "Don't trust your emotions," and we believe that you can't. But we were almost taught in a way like to ignore your emotions, just go. You know, just go on with business and forget your emotions. But God, God gave us emotions for a purpose. And, they were, and God wants us to, to work on those to make them healthy. And so I, there was a, three summers ago I read a book called Emotionally Healthy Spirituality that rocked my world. And I read it, in a, and I'll be honest, uh, here's a little vulnerability. I was, in a, I was in a very emotionally unhealthy place, leading the church, trying to solve all the problems, having, you know, you know, a couple thousand people that revolve around our church uh, feeling like I helped solve their problems. And I was, I was zapped as a pastor. And I was, I was ready to throw in the towel. I really was. I was just like, can't keep doing this. I can't carry what I'm carrying with the spiritual side of, you know, just us and myself and other people's stuff. And I'm just was, I was zapped. This book really helped me come out of a hole and what I, what I learned in this was you can't really love someone. You really can't really give all your heart to someone when your heart's not whole. And, and, and we want to go, well, yeah, we're all broken, duh, right? But to the degree that I'm growing spiritually, to the degree that I'm growing emotionally, and they go hand in hand, to that degree I'm able to give what Jesus giving, is giving me to pass on. 
So I would encourage you, again, go back, go get the tools, use those tools, but to understand that we've got to work on the emotional side of where we're emotionally. So what I walked away from uh, after reading that book that I really began to, to exercise in my life personally because I was taught to kind of like, don't worry about your emotions. My dad's like, go to work, boy. We don't quit working. Yesterday I worked all day on a tree with a guy uh, in my back in, in, on our street that took all day. And I was like, there was five other things I should have been doing yesterday. But I, I, but I had that old school Don Murphy, like, we don't quit working until the sun goes down. And I got to get ready for a message today. And I'm like, uh, I don't know if that was emotionally healthy or not, but neither here nor there. But here's the thing. Where was I going with that? Okay, back on track now. Uh, so what I did a couple of Chad Glenn's laughing at me right now. He's the most strategic guy I know. Anyway, so, um, so here's the thing. Chart your rhythm. To get healthy in some areas, you might need to chart, chart what's going on in your life. For me, I was not charting my emotional health. I wasn't charting, was I taking a day off? I wasn't charting, when was the last time we really got alone with each other? I wasn't charting these things. So I started charting myself, like, you know, in talking to my wise counsel, and I started looking at, when am I taking a day off? When, when am I taking a, a, you know, a season of change and doing something different for a little while? Um, when am I, what am I doing seasonally to get some rest? What am I doing yearly to get some rest? And I began to chart those things. But then here's the thing. When it comes back, that, come back, when it comes back to that love covers, I need to chart Christy's emotional needs and pay attention to where she or I both need to pay attention to how we're getting healthy. Does that make sense? I think mm-hmm. I, I kind of walked around that a little bit too much, but. I would just add, in our church, um, I don't know if you're aware, we're about 30 to 35% military. So we walk among some people who are rock stars in this area and who carry a weight that a lot of us don't carry. Um, We don't pretend to know what you've been through, but it has been our experience shepherding and leading military families that if you have a spouse that has been in combat, most likely they are facing some kind of PTSD. If they're not, they're an emotional rock and you need marriage counseling because you're going to have to break that rock down (laughs) um, to to get along as a couple. And so I just want to encourage you When Jeff went through that season, it wasn't fun. I had to resign every right I had as a wife. Like he, he had nothing to give to me. Zero. I had to change my expectations. I had to, you know, man up for a while and, and cover him in a lot of areas. But, you know, he came out healthier and stronger. And I can't imagine in that time that was difficult, had I walked away from him, I would have missed so many blessings and things and just the power of God giving me the strength that I needed moment by moment to get through that. Now, again, we don't pretend to know, you military families, what you're going through. But please don't walk away in a difficult season. Be committed to each other's emotional health. All things are possible through Christ. We want to help you. We want to walk with you. We want to support you. But you've got to, sometimes you've got to like put it on paper and schedule. Okay, what are we doing to get emotionally healthy? If, if you're pretending that you're, you don't have a problem and it's very obvious that you 
you do that your heart is broken or part of you, your mind is broken, then be committed to getting help for that. I would also just throw in for the ladies, you know, his number one need is intimacy with you. And that is another thing that I would challenge you to chart that. I mean, not literally, you don't have to keep it, but I, you know, I keep a mental tab of that. Like, okay, baby, what's going on? It's, you know, it's been a little while. How come we haven't been intimate? What's going on in that area? Because I protect him in that area. I want him to know that his needs are going to get better met here than anywhere else that he goes. And he's kind of cute. Um, the last thing I'm is, so um, lucky. and I, I will, I will say, cause every time I say that there are people out there that you have some real pain and some real shame that surrounds that. And so when I mention that, if that brings up pain and shame, shame does not come from your heavenly father. And I'd say email Kimberly this week. All right, so let me, um, let me end with this. Go for it. Uh, how do I do all of this? Right? Because I look back over this list and I'm just, I want to like crawl up in a little fetal position and be like, ah, I don't know what to do, right? Can't do it. All right, but here, here's, here's where we always end. If you ever listen to a, a message around here, we end with one bigger, big overarching truth that gives credibility and gives weight and gives help to everything else. So I'm going to give you a verse, a verse, a truth that's not our ideas. This is God's word that takes and trumps everything of how to do all this. Are you ready? Galatians 2.20. Galatians 2.20. Find it, look at it, view it. My old self has been crucified with Christ. It is now no longer I who live, but Christ who what? What? Lives in me. So I live, and the whole reason we can live is because he's living in us, those of us that have bowed the knee and made Jesus leader and forgiver of our life. We can live because he's in us, in this earthly body, by trusting the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. Some of you today may need to pray, God, I'm not, I'm not, even, the mo- I'm not even in the mood for this. <laughs> I'm not, in a, I'm not in a season of life to really make this happen or to take this on. But because you are living in me, I'm asking, God, that you would strengthen me. God, would you embolden me? God, would you give me the gumption? Would you give me the help? God, would you fill us, fill this marriage with your spirit? You know, I'm thinking about this verse that's in that we we talk about all the time in second corinthians that we use in every marriage you've heard it at every wedding you know it talks about love is you know the spirit the fruit of the spirit is love and joy and peace and happiness and long suffering i can't do any of those apart from god so we might you might we might need to be praying and saying would you god the spirit of god fill me with those things fill me with love fill me with endurance fill me with grace Fill me with joy, Fill, God, so I can be whole and so I can have that to, to love, serve, and give to my spouse. So I can only do this through Christ. Some of you are here today and you're empty. You have nothing to give. The only person that can fill you up so you have something to give is the person of Jesus Christ. You cannot love apart from receiving and having 
God's love. So you may have a pulse. You've fallen in love with somebody. But how do we win? It's through Christ. Let's pray. Lord, we, uh, we surrender all of this to you today. God, acknowledging that this is something we cannot do apart from you. Lord, we, we've given practical. God, you've, you've given incredible tools from, through your word. Some incredible practical, practical things to do. But God, we know we can't do apart from you. So God, help us do through you. So Lord, I pray for every person here today that we would make the, the desires of our heart and the prayers of our lives. God, God, be in me and help me to be and do through you. So God, let our voice be one voice today. And God, help us to live our lives through the strength in you. God, help us to not shame ourselves to say, I'm terrible, I can't do it, I'm no good, I might as well quit. God, that's when we're thinking alone apart from you. So God, today, we bow the knee and we say, God, rescue us, help us, be with us. Some of you today, with everyone's head bowed, eyes closed, let's just have a moment here. Some of you today would say, God, rescue me and save me because I'm not a Christian. I'm not a, I'm not a follower yet. I, I kind of, you know, I, I kind of feel like I want to go in, but I haven't really put both my toes in. But God, today I recognize my need for you. And so, God, I want to go toes in today. I want to go all in today. I want to go in for the God plunge today. And I'm asking you to save me today. How many of you would say, Jeff, that's me today? Raise your hand right now. All over this room. Yes. All over this room. Yes. Yes, anybody else? Jeff, pray for me today. I want to make him the leader and forgiver of my life today. Anybody else? Jeff, pray for me. Yes, Pastor. Yes, yes. Anybody else? God, we bow the, our hearts. We, we take a knee in our minds. God, we, we raise our voices and we just say, God, we need you. Rescue us. And Lord, for many of us today, we're simply just saying, maybe for the very first time, Jesus, today, I want to make you the leader and forgiver of my life. Come into my heart, save me, make me yours, adopt me into your family. And God, let me have heaven and life through you. And Lord, we just, we praise you for today. God, we have hope that there could be great relationships and great marriages and relationships that are quality, that are co-workers and people that sacrifice and serve people all across the city, God. And through that love and that grace, God, people would see you. And this world would change because of you. We love you, Jesus. In your name we pray. Everybody said amen. Stand up and worship with us.